I'm Marianne Kolbesak McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Chris Friends, who is Assistant Vice President of IT Security at Mount Sinai South Nassau in New York. So, Chris, recent breaches involving products from vendors including Okta, SolarWinds, Kaseya. As a healthcare security leader, what stands out to you most in terms of those instances and managing third-party security risk? Have any of those instances affected your organization? And if so, how? I think what really stands out is the fact that it really highlights the importance of having a third-party risk program, not only in the sense of if you're using, uh, like, say, Okta or SolarWinds or Kaseya or one of the other companies that's uh, run into issues recently, um, you know, is that a risk for your organization? But it also raises the question of what other vendors and suppliers might you be utilizing that are also using those products? Because it raises the question then, are those vendors in turn compromised? And that's going to be a very interesting challenge for a lot of companies to deal with because it's often visibility that they may not have. So Chris, with that said, what is most disturbing to you about these recent incidences, whether it's Okta, SolarWinds, Kaseya, and sort of that third-party component that perhaps you're not aware that you know you might have that sort of vulnerability in your organization, and you might not hear about it until something bad happens somewhere else. I think it really raises the concern. You know, for example, Okta is not a product that we utilize, but what vendors do we utilize that might have been compromised in the Okta hack? And you know that's a question that I think a lot of organizations are going to struggle with. And I think one of the interesting things is. One of the things we do in healthcare security for medical device acquisition is we're very big on what's called a software bill of materials, where before you purchase a medical device, you will ask the medical device manufacturer to provide a software bill of materials that lists out all the software components that are used in that particular device. It's a way to keep track of uh, vulnerabilities. And if you're doing instant response, you'd be identified devices that might be impacted by a certain type of attack vector. And I'm increasingly thinking that that same kind of approach needs to be applied to third-party risk, where a lot of organizations are starting to create third-party risk programs where they'll go through control sets like a SIGLite, things like that, ask the vendor questions about what controls they have. But I think increasingly we need to start to consider to develop the equivalent of a software bill of materials for third-party risk management, where we now also ask the vendors we use what products are commonly used in their environment. So when the next Okta-like breach occurs, we can then go through our, our listings and see, okay, it's this vendor and this vendor that I may have to worry about because they might be impacted because they use this product. So Chris, you mentioned SBOMs and indeed the Food and Drug Administration issued draft guidance recommending that vendors provide a cybersecurity bill of materials for their medical device products. And then meanwhile, last year, as you probably know, the Biden administration issued an executive order requiring government contractors to submit a software bill of materials or SBOMs to identify the origins of each component in their software products furnished to federal agencies. How much do you think software bill of materials would significantly help bolstering the security of the healthcare sector? And you mentioned medical devices. Are medical device makers among those vendors that seem more willing to offer these SBOMs? And what about other med tech vendors in the healthcare sector? Where do they kind of stand? Where, what worries you the most these days? I think the willingness uh, really you know, varies from vendor to vendor, but I think the, the recent Log4j incident really um, highlighted the 
utility of having SBOMs for various uh, devices and software components in your organization. A lot of organizations struggled with figuring out what instances of their applications were actually vulnerable to the log4j issue. A software bill of materials, if you actually had one for every device and every software package in your environment, would have made that a lot easier to find because then you could go and search through and see you know, which devices and which um, software stacks use Apache, and you can really narrow the search down. So I think a lot of recent events have highlighted why um, SBOMs are increasingly useful to the industry. I think, unfortunately, it's still a practice that is still catching on. There are vendors um, that are starting to offer SBOMs, but it's not as comprehensive as I think anyone in the InfoSec field would like yet. But the more organizations start demanding SBOMs from the vendors that they're seeking to buy from, uh, the greater you know, number of vendors will start to see offering them, especially if it's made with um, a purchasing decision where I won't purchase your product unless you can provide me this information. How granular would you like to see these SBOMs be? I always think the, the more granular is better. I, mean, I can understand why vendors might have some hesitation getting overly granular because they might not want to give away you know, certain trade secrets or other things. But um, from the consumer perspective, the more granular, the better, because it gives me more insight into what the potential risks and vulnerabilities that device you know, has and how I should secure that device. With that said, what steps are you taking within your own organization to sort of address some of these security risk management, you know, vendor issues, as well as other security risk vendor issues? You know, what else besides, you know, the issue of the S-bombs and sort of these vulnerabilities, what else sort of catches your attention and raises red flags perhaps when you're dealing with vendors? I think every organization really does need to develop a third-party risk management component at this point. Everybody should be assessing their vendors to make sure that they can, can actually uphold the various contract terms for security and other stuff they do. I think organizations also need to increasingly incorporate security language into the various contracts that they, they write. Um, you know, for example, there should be SLAs for reporting of certain incidents. There should be a clear notation of who is responsible for what. If a security incident occurs, you don't want somebody sitting there and I thought you were going to patch that. No, I thought you were going to patch that. It should be clearly laid out in the contract who's responsible for what type of security. Um, I, I think assessments also need to be a continual process. I think even some organizations that do assessments, one of the areas they fall short in is they can kind of consider it one and done. So they'll assess it when they first buy the vendor. And then four years later, maybe the vendor is not as compliant as they were four years ago. But unless you're continually reassessing, you don't have a way to acknowledge that. So it needs to also be a continual process. And one of the things that we're doing to our third-party risk management program is we're actually going to start to incorporate more SBOM-like questions in our third-party risk assessment process. That way, if something like an Okta or a SolarWinds or a Kaseya pops along again, we hopefully have a little more insight into whether a particular vendor is using that product or not. And that will allow us to know which vendors to reach out to for reassurance or to better gauge our risk if one of them might be compromised. What about vulnerability disclosures? You know, I see more medical device makers, for instance, issuing these voluntary vulnerability disclosures. You know, they time it around the same time maybe the FDA gets a warning out about it or even CISA. In the bigger picture, are there certain sorts of software products or, you know, even hardware products for that matter that have software components in them that kind of trouble you that vendors in general in those particular areas may be not as proactive in terms of disclosing vulnerabilities or even looking for vulnerabilities? I mean, for me, the more transparent the company is, the better it always is from the security perspective. It, it's much better to um, know there's a vulnerability that exists in the device, whether you can patch it or not at the current time or not, because at least you can put compensating controls around that. 
I think the vendors who are more closed and guarded about how their products are vulnerable are actually um, doing a disservice to security, not a service, because then you can't put the necessary compensated controls in place. So from my perspective, the more open vendors are, the, the more they're willing to you know, share the vulnerabilities and ideally you know, patch and make patches available and suggest other mitigations that you can put in place. I think you know, those vendors are much better off than the vendors who keep everything a guarded secret. Shifting gears just a little, in terms of the Russia-Ukraine situation and the cyber threat warnings that have been coming out from the federal government concerning critical infrastructure sectors, including healthcare, anything in particular that you're keeping a close eye on? Anything that's concerning you about the situation? You know, What do you have to say about what we've seen so far? I think every CISO and everybody who works in cyber right now is closely monitoring the situation. Um, I think everybody's you know, taking the time to prepare and uh, do other stuff to try to mitigate the damage. Uh, one of the things I'm very big on is I'm very big on doing breach and attack simulations. So one of the things that we've really ramped up on doing is looking at a lot of the tools that a lot of the uh, you know, Russian threat actors traditionally use and using that as a way to test those tools in our environment to actually make sure that we have controls that can either detect and or prevent um, those common attack vectors. So that's one of the ways that we've been hardening our environment is running those kind of tests and identifying any things that might need improvement. And finally, Chris, in terms of your organization, what else is high priority list this year when it comes to cyber-related initiatives? Uh, for us, it's, it's increasingly taking a more evidence-based approach to security. As I mentioned, we're pretty big on doing breach and attack simulations. I'm along the lines that security over time needs to become much less of an art form and much more of a science. And I'm very big on developing ways that we can actually measure security. I think one of the traditional problems and why you see so many breaches is security has always had a very compliance-based uh, focus. And while compliance is nice, compliance and security are two different things. So for example, you know, if you have a, a firewall in your environment, you can probably check a box and be compliant with a certain standard. But just having that firewall is a far cry from having you know, proper threat intelligence incorporated in it and having proper egress filtering, having DNS locked down properly and all the various other things you should be doing with the firewall. So we're increasingly pushing towards not just being able to check boxes from the compliance front, but actually using breach and attack simulation and other red team techniques to actually attempt to measure security and show that we actually have effective controls in our environment and not just the existence of a control. Well, thanks so much, Chris. I've been speaking to Chris Friends. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for joining us.